0: Hello friends and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey, U-Turn friends. It's Ash here, and today I have someone so special on the show. She's been in my orbit for so long. So many friends that I know love her, and more importantly, her book has thousands of reviews on Amazon. It's a top international bestseller called How to Do the Work, and it's Dr. Nicole Lapera. She's trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University, the New School for Social Research, and the Philadelphia School of Psychoanalysis. She's the author of the number one, like I said, New York Times bestselling book, How to Do the Work, and the podcast host of self healer's soundboard. So as a clinical psychologist in private practice, Dr. Nicole often finds herself or found herself frustrated by the limitations of traditional psychology, and she wanted more for her patients herself. She began to go on her own journey to develop a united philosophy of mental, physical, and spiritual health and well-being that can really equip people with the tools necessary to healing themselves. So today's episode, you guessed it, is all about how to heal yourself, how to employ some of these tools for your own well-being. And I'm so excited to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you are undoubtedly a special person. And um I don't know, have you ever seen uh what's that TED Talk? I think it's by the guy that talks about like what is in your hands, purpose, how to find Rick Warren, how to find your purpose. Have it. Mm-hmm. You have not seen that one? I have not. I think you would really like it. He basically talks about how um, you're not given fame or eyeballs on you for no reason. And when you look at your life and things naturally happen, you can ask yourself, why is this in my hands? Why do? Why was this handed to me? Not like you didn't work for it, but I feel like I watched you really start to make a huge impact, putting quality content out there on a really Um, consistent ongoing basis. I was always so impressed because as a content creator myself, I know how much devotion it takes to not just put content out, but quality out there. Um, So I want to acknowledge you and just ask you in your journey so far, what has been a tool that has been the most helpful to you personally as it relates to your healing and your growth?
1: I really appreciate this question. Actually, I also really appreciate uh, that TED Talk suggestion, even hearing um, the the topic around this idea of purpose mm-hmm. I couldn't help but smile because uh, for a very long time, I would read many books of purposeful, passionate individuals with a vision on a journey. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't relate to that at all. I didn't right. feel passionate. I didn't feel purposeful. I felt definitely not on a journey mm-hmm. um, and I didn't relate. I thought for some reason I didn't get that chip um, inside of that idea of a deeper, you know, longing, desire, or whatever, however it is that you define purpose. So even hearing you describe and really embodying, I mean, much of my journey has been about returning back to myself, understanding why I didn't feel connected with that concept of purpose and, you know, how much of that lives in our bodies and trauma and a dysregulated nervous system where, you can live a large majority of our life, and similar to me, feel like we didn't get that chip, and you yeah. know, not being able to to relate or resonate, and ultimately, to in my opinion, feel fulfilled and thrive mm-hmm. in this life around us. And ultimately, that's where I found myself to be, um, and the way I began and the approach that I've really, you know, now understand is so foundational in creating change is by first becoming conscious to how it is that we're showing up to specifically the impact of those earlier traumas, environments, relationships, imprint that we're carrying with us in our mind and body. And for many of us, that means learning how to create safety in ourselves and our relationships and authentic self-expression. So consciousness, consciousness, consciousness. I always am professing that from the rooftops um, because so many of us are living unconsciously in an autopilot, repeating habits that were adaptive at one point, though, that don't serve that space. And you might be like me. Oh, I'm not purposeful. I'm not passionate. I'm not fulfilled in life. And again, it's not because you don't intrinsically have that. Chances are the answer lies in those earliest adaptations that we've become reliant on.
0: Hey U-Turn friend, are you ready to enjoy a calm moment with something really nourishing? I have something for you and it's Gold Power by Organifi. The golden powder tastes like a cozy moment in and of itself. It's cinnamony, it's comforting, and it's packed with good ingredients like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, lemon balm, and prebiotics. As soon as the afternoon slump hits, instead of letting myself have yet another cup of coffee, I try to pour this gold powder into my favorite hot nut milk. It's simply divine, it makes my sweet tooth so happy, and its superfood blends just make it easy to add more variety and nutrition into my day. If you'd like to give gold powder a try, I cannot recommend it enough. Just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn and make sure to use the code U-Turn at checkout for 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and use the code U-Turn for checkout. Okay. So for somebody listening right now, and also I just want to reiterate one thing you said, um, I just had Dr. Kristen Neff on the podcast about self-compassion and you kind of touched on her in your own way. You were basically saying like, um, making it safe for yourself to come home or just creating safety, um, for yourself. And when she talks about compassion, she said, step one is, um, creating safety for yourself. Cause if you make it safe for yourself to feel how you feel, to feel dis- to feel uncomfortable, to feel like you need to set a boundary, and if you can validate yourself, have compassion for yourself, and or have safety for yourself, let it be safe, then you can have compassion for other people. Then you can speak up and and be firm but kind. Um, and so I love that you talk about safety. Um, and I and I know I imagine you have some sort of routine, or maybe you don't, but you have certain tools that you turn to. Um, for somebody who's listening right now, where maybe they haven't done the work, and I love that your book's called How to Do the Work, because how many times in self, you know, in in um, personal development, do we hear like this person needs to do the work, and it's like, mm. what the hell is this work? So, uh, can you walk us a little bit through maybe how you can get started if you're just starting to crack open, or if you're listening to this show, you've probably been listening a while, uh, maybe you are cracked open and you want to go deeper. What are some ways for people to access that?
1: Absolutely. And, and before I kind of speak to um, the different ways that we can create safety, I just want to expand a bit on the compassion piece as well. Yeah. Um, speaking from the the place of shame that I think a large majority of us feel to be when we are stuck repeating habits that don't serve us, maybe are imploding and causing ourselves harm or explode, exploding and causing our relationships around us harm. And right back to this idea of, you know, how Common, these occurrences began in childhood. So many of us just associate them then with who we are, and we feel, you know, very shameful as we see the the world around us um, being impacted by us. And we can sit in judgment from that shameful place, worrying about, you know, what type of quote unquote bad, terrible human that you know ultimately we are. So I think that compassion piece we can even extend um, before we learn the tools to create safety, which I'll go into in a minute, by understanding that we are all humans raised by. Other humans. And there's a lot of aspects of past generations, both in terms of access to resources, in terms of contextual, you know, global events or societal con- community based events, you know, that are happening in terms of beliefs around parenting and needs in general and how we're supposed to, you know, raise future generations that really have limited a lot of the generations before us. And Because that old adage, right? Children do as I say, not as I do. The reality of it is the experiences we have, that which is modeled to us, will become what we continue to then repeat um, as part of our habits as we grow. So as we, I think, become aware of the impact of those early experiences, we can maybe release some of that shame. We don't have to entertain that there's something intrinsically wrong with us. We can begin to expand and allow ourselves to view all of the habits that maybe aren't serving us. And we have a lifetime of evidence of how much they're not serving us, but we can maybe expand into compassion, acknowledging that those habits did at one time serve us. They possibly were the only way that we could create some semblance of safety and security and or connection in an early environment where we were under supported or there was outright abuse or violation of our boundaries and we can become conscious to those habits and understand again the location of them as protection and then in that conscious space i'll always talk about beginning to make new choices mainly what most of us are wanting to do whether we're in self development or we're in the throes of you know suffering we want to change we want life to feel different we want to make new choices and What a lot of us will observe as we become conscious to ourselves is how unsafe we are, how our nervous system is always on edge, scanning for the next threat, always expecting the worst, waiting for the next shoe to drop. We might feel it in our hearts with an elevated heart rate, with a quickened breath. We might always be sweaty, tense. On the other end of the spectrum, maybe we're completely shut down. We have no access to energy, to to muscles. We just feel fatigued and lethargic. We can understand those as evidence that our nervous system is indicating we're not safe in this moment we're either fighting and fleeing mobilizing into action look, looking for that next threat or we can escape we've come to the conclusion that after a consistent life of this type of stress that we are actually overwhelmed and then we shut down ultimately when we understand that the symptoms that we're experiencing are related to a lack of safety then we could gift ourselves with the most impactful choice to make in that moment which is creating safety in our body. And I will often, my go to safety making tool is through our breath, through learning how to utilize intentional type breathing. If we're too elevated, if our breath is too quick, I'm really simplifying the polyvagal theory and breath work. Yeah. We can do calm, deep belly breathing. To bring ourselves back into safety. If our breath is barely audible, we're holding our breath, we can do more stimulating Wim Hof type breath to bring ourselves back into that zone of safety. So, my breath is always my go to. It was foundationally and continues to be foundationally present as I discovered how shut down my body was.
0: Mm. And was there a moment in time that was your awakening? I mean, for me, I, I recently just signed up for a meditation teacher. Certification and it, it's been really interesting. Whenever at the beginning of a meditation that I'm in, they say like, release your jaw. Notice if you have any tension here or there. And I'm like, why do I have so much tension everywhere? I, I it's like, how did I need a reminder to release my jaw? Am I clenching all the time. Um, for me, it started. I worked in counterterrorism, you know, in Washington D.C. in my early 20s, and you know, watching some things that I saw behind a computer screen in Afghanistan was. Enough to keep my jaw really clenched. But at the same time, it's like pe- we don't even notice our own mm-hmm. tension. So, breath work is super powerful. Those of you who don't know Wim Hof's work, I definitely should have him on the podcast. <laughs> is there a place you go for breath work? Like, do you have audios that you provide? Is there an app that you like to download? Where can people get started? Because I, I know we've had Sam Skelly on the show. She talks about breath work, um, but we haven't, I've never kind of recommended where someone can go for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to speak to the point too of how I began to notice because I too was my only way of being was tense, constricted, right? Locked in protection from an early environment where I felt under supported, not having emotionally available parents, daily stressors of, of developing, of growing, of navigating my emotions, completely overwhelmed my system. And I did not know it because very common experiences it is all we know we are so for me i was so disconnected to my body the tension was my familiar that's all i understood my body to be i didn't even i didn't have the awareness and very much like you for a very long time i suffered from tmj yeah. jaw tension and again i wasn't even attuned enough to realize that i was clenching my jaw until i was yeah. you know uh, suggested to similar yeah. in a meditation release it oh my gosh you know we learn often by contrast oh wow i was so tense. And I did not know, I did not have awareness. I did not have language actually of how disconnected I was and how connected to my nervous system, state of dysregulation that disconnect was until actually something really scary started happened to me in my mid to late twenties. And I started to faint to actually lose consciousness. It happened two times in particular. Once I was, um, the irony of this is definitely not lost on me. I was with a childhood friend Um, visiting her for the first time in adulthood after many years of being apart. And she was taking me on a tour of her apartment complex. And before I knew it, I came to, and she was, thankfully she was EMT looking over me and coaching me through my first instance of feigning. It happened a second time when I was in a store. And again, without the language at first, I was scared coming from a family that had a lot of health related anxiety. My older sister and my mom, you know, Battled and my mom up until her death more recently in the past year battled chronic illness. So my first thought was, oh geez, this must be that brain issue that I've just been waiting, you know, to have. There's clearly something wrong. And the first thing I did is what many of us do. Um, I went online. I went to seek Doctor Google. Yeah, why am I fainting? You know, some yeah. version of that. Waiting for this cataclysmic, you know, diagnosis of something wrong with my brain. And I was really blindsided because I met wasn't met with a hopeless. Uh, uh information at all a message at all i was actually introduced to a whole world of our nervous system of polyvagal theory of the impact of all different types of trauma at which point i had excluded myself from having any trauma because i didn't have those big cataclysmic life changing big t trauma events and i didn't understand then why i was so disconnected from myself from others so numb to my emotions so unfulfilled despite achieving endlessly over time and now Fainting, losing yeah. consciousness, and once I then had this awareness, I began my own journey of creating uh, balance in my nervous system. And for me, I I went to similarly YouTube University mm-hmm. um, because again, I was exposed to okay, breath work is good. Okay, what is this breath work? Let me begin to introduce myself. And for me, I found you know people on developing, you know, their own breathwork practices, I then began to expand and learn all different types of breathwork. So I don't necessarily have a go-to in my new workbook, How to Meet Yourself. I talk about different types of breathwork. What I like to highlight, stress, emphasize, because I know there's all different types of breathwork. You can go and see a breathwork professional and have an immersive, right, almost out of body, altered consciousness experience of an hour long breathwork, or you can do manageable bite sized pieces of breath work throughout your day. And what I offer and often suggest are the breath work that we can integrate into our day to day. Because, as all things, when we're talking about habits, it's about the consistency of it. While those immersive experiences can be life changing, transformational, and might be part of our journeys, it's the consistent awareness of the different patterns of our breathing and how our breath changes as we become more stressed and more shut down and then using it in real time to build in that regulation.
0: Yeah. And I, I know that it's, it's a, first of all, I want to say, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss and to have family going through these sorts of health things because I mean, just because, but also, um, My older brother, my older sister are from a different mother. She died young and both of them never fully recovered. My sister, I lost four years ago. But it's interesting because uh, I'm watching my big brother in his life have kind of in the backdrop of his mind, fear of health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a tingle in his finger is not just a tingle in his Mm -hmm. finger. It's like a sign of MS or something that his mom had. So the amount of self-work you need to do to ground your nervous system when your body is just being a body, like I have this being a dog mom, it's like sometimes dogs just throw up and they're not dying. (laughs) You know, it's just doing a dog thing. Yeah. So I love that you have this how to meet yourself workbook. What an amazing follow-up on how to do the work. And I know that part of the workbook is about, you know, how to start getting to know who you really are. And in my book, U-Turn, I talk a lot about that. And I I love that you go here from such a trauma-informed perspective as well. So can you share a little bit more on your perspective of why do so many of us not really know ourselves? Um, and, And then why don't we know what we want? And side note, those of you who grit your teeth like me, I had to get Botox in my jaw muscles And my face changed. The muscles in my jaw were so big, my masseter muscles, from all the clenching, I was like going to the gym in my mouth every day, Mm -hmm. that when I got the Botox in my jaw to stop my jaw from clenching, my face got so skinny. It looks so different. I couldn't believe on a physical level how much that tension was showing up. So anyway, back to How to Meet Yourself. Hey U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love the most about them is that their products are not only carbon neutral, but they taste amazing. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and vitamins possible in one swoop And i just couldn't bring myself to drink all those green vegetable smoothies that taste like the grass so i wanted something that actually tastes good and was perfect for me and i've been on athletic greens for a few weeks now and i am just loving it it doesn't taste like it's super healthy you know it has kind of a mild tropical taste that i actually look forward to every morning and with one scoop of athletic greens you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right so this really special blend of ingredients is so supportive for your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus anti-aging all the things right now it is so time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially as we're in flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. I even throw mine in my smoothie. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash U-Turn. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And they're giving one year of vitamin D that is so insane with your first order. I'm so excited for you to check it out. Now let's get back to this week's episode.
1: To speak to that point, I mean our mouths, the way we're breathing, whether we're no mouth breather, nose breather, the way our structure, the way we swallow, eat. I mean, again, these are things that we just intuitively do. We're always using our mouth to speak, to talk, to breathe, to eat, right? All of the things. And again, there's very habitual ways that some of us are are doing so that that can be impacting, that can be holding tension, like you're saying, or an indicator yeah. of health tension and the workbook really was a seed the idea for the workbook i should say was a seed that was planted when i was writing how to do the work very much um intention around that first book was to you know make it a narrative focus explain some concepts in practical language cuz a lot of the concepts i met were you know in books i've read previously were felt very you know esoteric ideas and i didn't really understand the bridge of how to action based on these concepts so very big intention for that book was that in addition to presenting workable, practical exercises at the end of each chapter, whether it's journaling prompts or, you know, body somatic work and knowing all of the while that I was leaving out a whole bunch of tools of the journey. It just couldn't simply be included in a narrative book like that. So the seed was planted to really create a roadmap is the way I think of the workbook. Um, A a way to progress through the very nonlinear journey of healing honoring the uniqueness and the individuality of each of our journeys. I really hope it to be something that our readers who choose to purchase it will be a, a roadmap, a workbook that they live with, that they revisit, that they spend time in particular areas. And even the way I set it up was very intentional. I separated it into three sections. Um, The first section is really highlighting focus on our physical body, all of the different habits that we're repeating in terms of care for our body. How are we sleeping? How are we eating? What is the state of nervous system regulation or dysregulation that might be impacting and coloring our experiences? Once we get conscious, clear, and begin to build in some of those more body-based tools to create that much-needed safety, then we could proceed in the journey peeling back the next layer of the onion, diving into our mental and our emotional world, exploring concepts like our inner child, all of the wounding and reactivity, the habitual ways we try and self-regulate when we're upset, yelling, screaming, icing people, maybe using substances to self-regulate. We explore our ego and its shadow, all of this idea of who we are. And again, how that is coloring our experiences. And then the workbook culminates in, as the title suggests, how to meet your self with the self being the focus on the authentic self. And I strategically put it at the end, knowing that a lot of people who pick up the workbook probably want to go right to that section because, right, I want to know who I am. The journey, though, to finding ourselves really is pulling back everything that we're not, Mm
0: -hmm. pulling back
1: everything that's coloring, all of the emotions that we're feeling from past experiences that are similar to what's happening now, forgetting, however, that we have new tools and new choices that we can begin to make. And it's only when we peel back all of that layer of the onion that then we can learn how to reconnect with who we are. And I often reference, if you're able to visually see me on this podcast, my heart space, right? Learning how to have a point of connection with my intuition, how to check in to ask myself back to that purposeless individual I was, right? Learning how to reconnect with my purpose, my passion, my creativity that all lives within me, but wasn't available until I was safely regulated in my body, able to reconnect with my heart, which in my
0: opinion, is our ultimate guidance in the world. Mm. I'm trying to remember what it was. I've been taking these Buddhism classes lately on Tuesdays in New York city. And somebody in the class was talking about how like your third eye is penetrable. So when we have these negative thoughts, um, often they're not us, it's like some other energy coming through, but that our heart space is impenetrable. And it really resonated because I thought to myself, like, mentally, I might be thinking something, but my heart always feels Mm -hmm. how my heart feels. Um, And so I'm curious, you know, for people who um, have a lot of pain, or maybe they're not in touch with their pain, um, what are some like, I know, obviously, everyone has to get the How to Meet Yourself workbook, which I hope you guys check it out. Um, All of you check it out. And then as far as some actionable tools, like, are there a couple exercises in there that you really feel stand out for you as a starter for people to start to clear some of those layers so they can get back into their heart? 100%. And I we discover
1: who we are by first, I keep using the language of peeling back the onion, by but by, by first witnessing who we aren't, yeah. all of the impact and aspects of that conditioning. And the way we do that is we learn how to A, be conscious. What that means is, I like to throw out the metaphor analogy, I'm not actually sure what word is appropriate here, but of overhead lights on in a room. That's the way we can think of consciousness, right? My whole internal world is illuminated and I can choose to, with my spotlight of attention, pay attention or view my internal world of thoughts, which are constantly narrating, making meaning of the experiences that I'm having. I can tune down into my body, the world of sensations or emotions that are, you know, registering the impact of the environment around me and translating into how i'm experiencing giving me guidance when my boundaries are crossed say and i might feel anger as a result or when i'm feeling lost there's a unmet expectation right I might feel sadness in those moments so i can drop into turn my spotlight from my mind to my body i can also turn my spotlight out into the external environment and through my senses assess how I'm experiencing the world so that's really simply what consciousness is once we activate that space in our brain. Many of us aren't spending much time there at all. We're dropped back into that emotionally driven autopilot, which actually is calorically beneficial for our brain. Our brain already needs the most calories of any organ in our body to function. So there's a very real caloric based expenditure, right? That we prefer that that subconscious, that autopilot. So learning how to be a conscious observer in real time, activating a different part of our brain that allows us to see all of those different aspects of our experience will then allow us to begin to view what I call our habit cell. All of the habitual things that we do, starting from the first moment our eyes open, most of us maybe be able to identify what our morning habits or routines are. Some of us might not even use that language, though the reality of it is it's habit you typically do the same thing upon waking. Maybe it's picking up your phone. Maybe it's you know, getting out of bed, brushing your teeth, whatever it is. There's habits that are taking us through our day. There's also, again, mental habits. Our thoughts aren't coincidental out of nowhere. They're very repetitive. We spin the same stories. We tell the same narratives. And if we really drop into our body, we'll notice that impacts us and we feel the same feelings typically. So becoming a conscious observer allows us to build foundation now in choice about what we're paying attention to being able to identify again, if the body we're living in is dysregulated, sending signals of threat or lack of safety to our mind. And then in that conscious space, we can begin to create the safety, create the ability to turn inward and ask myself, but none of that happens. If I don't build first that foundation in consciousness, especially honoring how uniqueness our habits will be. Right. I do suggest as we become conscious to view yourself, right, to maybe listen to other people and their stories, their narratives, what, you know, what their mind likes to tell them and then to see what it is that your mind is living on repeat, what it is that your body continues to feel and then how you react. And this is now how you can create the space for new choices that serve you as the individual you are
0: so important and i feel like a lot of us feel like maybe we're or you know feel like we're making a choice when we're still stuck in this autopilot um what are some ways because habits can be so sneaky and not obvious um that we can start to gain awareness over these habits
1: i think the pause um learning how to pause at any time throughout our day and be in that space of conscious awareness learning how to be the witness, because you're right. So many of us are so unconscious to ourselves. We've come to identify even with these habits, this habitual way of being, thinking, feeling. We've made it our identity, and we don't have the experience of having that separation or of having that space. And that only happens for a lot of us when we're hitting pause, whether or not it's when we're, I talk about, and I use actually in my my global membership, the self-healer circle. Um, we talk about using a consciousness check-in and it's in how to do the work as well. And I think I mean, think it's in the new workbook. Simply what that is is setting, I used, I suggest using alarms on our phone, post-its, having an accountability partner, partner, a reminder to check in with ourselves at some point during our waking day and learning how to turn that spotlight of attention on, checking in with where is my attention? Am I fully immersed in what I'm saying, doing, experiencing? or am I unconscious? Am I thinking about a past argument I had? Am I worrying about an upcoming event or am I just somewhere else entirely, you know, just shut down to even what is happening? And the more consistently I practice that pause lighting up this neural network in the prefrontal cortex of my actual brain, the more now I can use that pause when I'm on the verge of reacting habitually, when I want to drop in and understand or get curious and unpack why my reaction to something is so big. What is the meaning I made out of it? Making it very understanding that I'm feeling the bigness of this emotion right now. So using that pause, learning how first to initiate the pause, become conscious, that is, and then using it in those moments because there's so much information when we're able to just stop for a minute, assess what was I thinking? What is my body feeling? What am I feeling compelled to do? And can in this space, I begin to make another choice that maybe gets me closer to the outcome I
0: would like. I love that so much. And um, I I was thinking about how, you know, pauses are just so powerful on so many levels. And we live in a world where it's really hard (laughs) to do it. Yes. You know, like even if you pause for yourself, for your own personal development in a moment, that's one thing. Um, even for me, like I all notice my body is stressed and it's taken such training with myself to ask myself, why am I feeling so stressed right now? Does the situation merit this feeling? Um, but another way that I've found just for everybody listening, I know you're probably maybe taking notes. Um, I found look at the end, the other end of the funnel, like what are the results you're creating? What habits created those results? Are they, do they feel like good news or bad news for you? How are you (laughs) feeling about the results? Look at your career. What's going on in there? What are the habits that got you there? Look at your relationship. What's going on there? What habits got you there? So it's, it feels like you can also reverse engineer it, which is so powerful if you're kind of like gone down lemony snickets, unfortunate series of events and you feel like you're beyond <laughs> the pause. You're like, this is a mess. How do I even begin? Reverse engineering too, I yes. think. Um, okay, so a lot of people talk about authentic self and I know that this is something that you really bring up often especially in the how to meet yourself workbook but also in a lot of your work so what does it mean when you say authentic self and what are some ways that you started reconnecting after that time when you fainted you started waking up on such a deeper level Um, which by the way um, my awakening came from hyperventilating but looking back, I did faint a few times and try to figure out why am I fainting? So that was even a breakthrough <laughs> listening to you. I'm like, oh, shit, that's just part of the little cocktail of stress, right. anxiety, and disconnect. So right. Um, at least in my case. So tell me a little bit more about the authentic self. Absolutely.
1: And, and just kind of an uh, additional piece to fainting, because for a very while, I very shamefully entertained again an idea that there was something wrong with my brain in particular when I came to the awareness probably around high school um, when I started to exchange you know stories of my past history or friends started to I, sh- I should say exchange stories of their past their family right how um, holidays were in the past or this particular Christmas and as I was hearing others talk I came to realize how absent how non-existent or limited I should say my memories were um, I don't have the movie screen that some of us, at least I've come to know, can kind of revisit their childhood, like see in action, you know, certain events or even just the structure of day to day life. And for a very long time. And then I would see evidence of this as I started to spend more time into friendships where similar would happen. Oh, last month, last week, last time we were here. And I would look at them like I had no idea what they were talking about. And it actually became a running joke for a while in my friend group of, oh, Nicole has no memory. Nicole's never here. You know, oh, Nicole won't remember this later. Ha, ha, ha. And again, I would laugh it off. There was, though, I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't a bit of worry, of concern of what the heck is wrong with me? Why does seemingly everyone remember life and I can't? And the answer, again, lays in that state of disconnection when we're dissociated, when we're overwhelmed. You know, not only aren't we present maybe in our for our full physical experience because the safest psychological, emotional place is to be shut down, is to be somewhere else, When there's cortisol ripping through our bodies, which is associated with any stress response, it actually limits the ability of a particular part of our brain called the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory. So a combination of that led me to be the human with no memories. And I just want to offer this here, hearing your story and the clarity, because I, as I've been sharing this more readily, so many people from all over the world are like, oh my gosh, geez, thank you. I have no memories. I never knew what was wrong with me. Thank you for giving again me this language.
0: Yeah. I love that you're talking about memories too, because they're so powerful on so many levels for your own healing. And also um, the, the fact that like memory is kind of distorted and sometimes the real healing is not from what actually happened, but how we're relating to it. Um, and even further on that note, you know, I used to think I had a really bad memory. Part of it was my diet and too many snacks and all of my little things that I eat. But part of it was that I was never present in the first place. Right. So it's interesting to think, okay, let me also add to that. I was probably in distress a lot of the time, That's which is. The case. And it's hard to remember things when you're stressed. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what are some ways that people can, you know, beyond breath work, start regulating their nervous system, getting back into their body and feeling what feels good for what they should do next in their career, in their life,
1: in any way? Right. So- You know, ultimately, I I just want to also clarify something I said, and I was having a conversation on my podcast, uh, The Self-Healer Soundboard with Gabor, Dr. Gabor Mate, and I use the word memory. And really what we're talking about here is recall, right? Mm -hmm. That movie screen, the ability to pull up what happened and to speak to your point, especially for those of us that have no memory, there might be little, right, to actually recall. And to be honest, it isn't necessary because our mind and our body actually are remembering our way of being and how we're showing up in my opinion from everything to our posture and for me that fear that overwhelmed a joke very well meaning strangers would probably tell me smile oh stand up straight you look like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders and i would hear it roll my eyes you know not really understand what they were meaning and now i understand that they weren't wrong my posture even was really emblematic of that fear that constriction i was literally hunched over protecting my heart, feeling like the weight of the world, this overwhelming feeling of life without support felt to me. So in absence of memories, I didn't have anything to recall, to revisit. However, I could see the living memory from everything for me, from my musculature, my tension, to my breath, to how I was showing up, disconnected, right in my environment. So that's the place for anyone listening to start. You don't have to go back revisit on earth the big things or consistent things that happened, we can start here now by becoming consciously present to our habits and to meet that authentic self. Part three in the How to Meet Yourself workbook, we have to first take those foundational steps of building safety in the body, of learning how to reconnect and expand our ability to tolerate different emotions so that we can have the metabolize the stress of life, have stressful events happen. Life isn't about avoiding emotions or avoiding stress that's actually unavoidable. But what it is about is becoming a participant in how we respond to what happens around us. And Mm -hmm. so many of us really understandably feel disempowered, reactive, as if the world is happening to us because we're not conscious in the space to understand that we probably are reacting from a dysregulated nervous system that's coloring the entirety of our experience, giving us no other opportunity when we become conscious, when we tune into our body, when we use things like breath work or grounding or ways to regulate our nervous system, now we can be safe enough to tune into that heart space. And the way that we can begin to hear this authentic self is not by looking to the thoughts in our mind, where I think many of us think that the self is going to speak from, I was joking about Furkan, um, being the voice of Oz, right? The man talking through our headphones. And I do think a lot of us think that that's how our, authentic voice is. It's going to come from our mind. In reality, it has a different, often nonverbal language. We feel it in sensations in our heart. We feel you know, light and at ease when we're moving in a direction that's for us. We feel constricted like I was living when we're moving in a direction that we're perceiving is not safe. And the ability to have safe moments of stillness, of awareness, to use that pause, regardless of if the person on the other side is waiting for our response, learning how to create a boundary of safety so that I could have the moment to attune to what I want in this moment, what I need in this moment, what I wish, what I desire, what I imagine in this moment. And then it's building in more of those moments where I'm not looking outside. I'm not vetting the world. And like I lived my whole life for me, it was safer to make sure that the world around me was as, stress-free as possible. And in childhood, that wasn't very possible, but to manage the stress that I was inputting into that environment, which was meant to show up in ways that were validated and not stressful to my system. I became a performer. I became an overachiever. I learned how to show up in a way that I thought met everyone else's needs. For a long time, I blamed everyone else. it's this romantic partner's fault. you're not connecting with me enough emotionally. you're not allowing this to happen. you're creating these feelings in me and the reactions, not realizing that actually I was playing a role by the thoughts I was thinking, by the dysregulation in my body, by how I was choosing to show up, by the lack of limits that I was setting for myself, by always squashing what I wanted and what I needed down to the point that in my mid-20s when asked, very simple question about how I wanted to spend time when I spent when I felt pulled in multiple directions by a partner in my family, friend very much looked at me and they said, well, okay, great. I went on a litany of reasons for all of the different places that I needed to be. And this person looked at me and they said, well, where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I had no answer. I was dumbfounded. And I really came to realize again, the role I'd been playing my whole life was I never stopped to ask this authentic self. I was not living. I was living all of these habits and patterns of conditioning that had once kept me safe by achieving, by performing, by making sure I wasn't a stressful piece of this system, weren't serving what I actually wanted and needed. Because we all need connection. We all need support. We all have needs that we can and need to learn how to safely express in a relationship. And that only became possible. As I peeled back the onions, as I created the safety, as I created those moments of pause, so that over time I can gain clarity into how I needed to show up for myself, regardless of the world around me, what I wanted, what I needed, and how I could touch that
0: space and live into that authentic. Mm. I've written down so many notes during this conversation. Is there anything I haven't asked you uh, that you want to share with everybody? Um, or where they could find you, follow you. I know you do a lot of amazing work on Instagram. Your book is everywhere on Amazon where books are sold. But tell me a little bit more about where you want to direct us or if there's anything I haven't asked. You. Yes,
1: I think before I direct um, to all the places that you can find me, I just want to acknowledge you, Ashley, everyone listening um, to podcasts like this. Um, I know we live in an age now where there is ever-present information, distraction, and I think – you know, a topic that always comes up is like how do we sift through and find our way to the messages, the communities, you know, that are for us, that are safe spaces for us. And, you know, I think it at least begins when we get curious, we begin to hear other ideas, hear other people and their lived experiences. And then ultimately we get to choose right what is the journey for us. So I really want to commend everyone out there listening because I know something very real about newness, new ideas, the unfamiliars, they're very challenging. Um, a lot of ideas that I first met—the nervous system, this this idea of the environment and my choices affect me—really weren't what I had believed to be true, and what I'd seen reflected in my environment for decades. It was really hard for me to even hear new ideas without finding myself feeling defensive, arguing them away, or you know, not wanting to even listen. So. I greatly, greatly honor people like yourself who are inspiring these conversations, engaging with them and everyone out there who is listening and really learning how to, again, drop in and determine for ourselves, you know, where our community is, where our safety is, and again, choices that we can make in service of ourselves. And you're interested in following along with my continued journey, Um, at this point, I'm pretty much on all of the social media platforms um, where it all began, though, of course, was on the Instagram account, The Holistic Psychologist. Um, I have a new TikTok where we're putting out a little acting vignettes, a lot around attachment and parenting. Also, The Holistic Psychologist, a YouTube channel, The Holistic Psychologist, a new podcast, Self Healer Soundboard. So, all of the places i can be found um and the hashtag i just like to shout this out self healers because outside of even engaging with buying books or you know joining my membership the reason i you know created and started to use that self healer hashtag at the beginning of my journey was for visibility for a shared way to communicate with others or to identify and find the community because mm-hmm. one of my always passions will remain you know, talking about this, creating accessibility at least to these conversations and to these tools. So anyone listening again who is not interested in, you know, kind of purchasing any of the things and who is interested in connecting with community that have some of these conversations, shared language, and often shared experiences, I definitely want to shout out that
0: hashtag. Ah, oh, this has been so great to have you. And um everything everyone has said about your soul is so true. Like from my experience, you're just so grounded in this work and i know you're human and we have our moments and i find that there's a lot of pressure being in this self-development space um you know sometimes it's a limiting belief so i just clear it with myself but to keep working on yourself and enjoy life and not be always processing or growing or ascending but to just be here on this planet so thank you for being so here that you're creating work that we really need and uh hopefully this isn't our last time